Hallelujah. Are you here to exalt his name today? There's just nobody like him. Amen. He meets not just our expectations, but more than our expectations. He's a God that is more than enough, able to do exceeding abundantly above what you can even think or ask. According to the power that works within you, and there's a power of faith that works within his people. Amen. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord today. And let's just speak to him a moment. Ask him to bless our service. Bless us in his presence today. Father, as we bow before your throne of grace, we want to thank you for your mercies, your mercies that endure forever. Our God is a merciful God. Lord, he is gracious, forgiving, loving, kind. Oh, God, how we're so thankful that as a bride that we can be adorned for our our husband and be coming forth with praise and glory to your name, Lord. We ask, Father, your blessings upon your people today that you'd anoint every heart and life. You know the burden that is there in each heart and each life. I pray that you'll minister to them in a special way. Lord, thank you for Brother Aaron and his ministry today in North Carolina. I pray you'll bless him in a special way. Lord, our friend, Brother Ron Spencer's in the pulpit today. I ask, Lord, that you would touch him with a mighty touch. Oh, God, that you rebuke the hand of the enemy and completely deliver him. Every need of your children, Lord, there have been prayer requests read across this, this pulpit today. And Lord, I just got a desperate email from a little mother, sister. I don't know her. You know, Sister Jax, I pray, oh God, that you'll speak to her today. May she receive a consolation today that you're an on-time God and you're a provider for every need. And I ask, Lord, that you would provide for that, for her children, her grandchildren. Desperate cry of your people around the world, those that are listening in, those that are streaming the service. and Oh, God, those that will be archiving it later, those that are present in the building today, those that are sick and at home and ain't able to be here. Lord, you know every need today, and I pray that you'll visit them in a mighty way. Touch your people once again. Let us feel your mighty hand come down among us. Wipe away our fears and our doubts. Forgive us of them, Lord. We should never doubt our Savior. But, Lord, we're human. And when the waters get rough and the troubles get difficult, Lord, we're like Peter many times. And we'll look at the winds and waves and we'll become fearful and afraid. That's our humanity. But I'm thankful you don't abandon us. You can make us walk on our waters again. I pray if there be those that that kind today may be fallen, may be sunken down in sin and unbelief, that today the tender hand of Jehovah reach out to them and bring them into your bosom, Lord. Bring them close, your arms around them. We ask it in Jesus' name. We thank you for your blessings. Now, Lord, we'll be opening up the scripture here in a few moments. We're just human. That's all we can do. You gave us the strength for even that. 
but we ask for the inspiration of the Almighty. Lord, and we ask, oh God, that faith would come by hearing and hearing the Word of God and that you'd give us a hearing ear to receive. But we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I'm going to ask you to take your seats. It's just good to be in the house of the Lord today and see each one of you that has gathered with us. We still have a few that are out, but um, we ourselves just returned from Virginia where we had wonderful meetings there with Brother Ron Spencer and the um, believers there. And um, we, I want you to thank you. I want to thank you for supporting the services while I was gone. And um, thank you for, for those that are, have come this morning, being um, here in the service today. And if you're a visitor, I hope you won't feel like a visitor when it's all over, but you'll just feel like a part of the family of God. And so we welcome you today. If you hadn't been here in a while, well, we're just happy to have you today. And in the service of the Lord, if it's your first time visiting, well, we're glad to have you. Amen. It's always good that we can have the gathering of God's people to come together to worship the Lord together with us. I also wanted to say I really appreciated Brother Joshua Martin coming and taking us two of the services while we were away. He's a talented and gifted young man. And from what I witnessed and the reports that I received, he did an outstanding job and you were blessed. And we're so happy about that. That is wonderful. And Brother Aaron Oglesby, as I mentioned in prayer, him and the Burns family, they're up in the North Carolina, and he's preaching for Brother, Brother uh, Aaron is preaching for uh, Brother Josh Bennett and also Brother Joe Greens this evening. So um, you can remember them in prayer. They'll be traveling back home, and um, we certainly are thankful that God can use them in a very, very special way. And, and I believe that. And um, also, as I was coming in, I just noticed that we've got a lot of work that has been done. And I, I don't know if you passed by the back of the church there and got a look there, but we got a first-class, beautiful handrails going down the steps out of the, out of the uh, fellowship hall to go down into um, the pavilion there. And uh, it just... It's just classy. That's all you can say about it. It's a job well done. We certainly appreciate all of you that were involved in there. Also, uh, I got them a real little job to do. Also, I bought them a little, not them, I bought the children a little teeter-totter thing to add to Mubby's Park out there, and and it had to be assembled. And uh, that can be a brain scrambler in itself. But they got it done, and the children have already been enjoying it, and and so we really appreciate that. And, and then we see the, the post up for the adult porch swings and the fire pit that we're putting out there. I just want to say I appreciate everything you've done. I just want to say you're the best. You are the best. And I, I'm so proud of you as a congregation and um, love you with, with all of my heart today. Also, um, I'm, um, I'm just... Um, want to read a scripture here um, for a moment and uh, just uh, just to kind of set the, the tone for this. It's in 1 Timothy 3 and 8, and uh, you won't have to put it on the board up there, but I just want to just kind of bring it to your memory. And uh, this is about the qualifications of deacons. Deacons 
are to be worthy of respect and sincere, not indulging in most, much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain. They must hold the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then if there's nothing against them, they shall serve as deacons. Same way, uh, their wives are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. And a deacon must be faithful to his wife and uh, manage his children and his household well. And those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. And these are the words that the Apostle Paul left us for um, the church and for the order of the church. And certainly we have carried on that, even as Brother Branham did, and, and most Christian churches do something very similar. But um, we are certainly following the example of the prophet of God and the, the Apostle Paul. And, um, and so today, we, uh, because we are having the meeting coming up, and we're going to need some more help, and, um, we, and so on like that, I'm, I'm going to... Um, Today, nominate a brother here, and I would like Brother Derek Paris to stand, if you would, so everybody would know uh, who that he is, who we're talking about. He's been with us over a year now, and uh, we've come, you've had a chance to get to know him and his family, and, and I already say they've been a great asset to our church, and, um, but because we are in need of another deacon with the upcoming meeting I have nominated him, and he's willing to serve. And at our next business meeting, we will do this again in a more formal manner. But for now, I'm just going to ask him to now be seated and um, just to bow his head. And if you will, with the cameras, make sure you just have them directly upon me. And, um, and so with, um, with that consideration and the nomination that I made, I'm asking you for a vote uh, with a show of hands, and um, that if you are a member of the church here and um, you support it with your tithe and offerings to, con- to confirm his, um, his nomination today. So if you would just raise your hand, let me see. All right. All right. So I'm seeing a great majority here today. So Brother Derek, if you will, if you'll just come stand right here for a moment. We're just going to... Ask the Lord's blessings upon you in a great way today as we ordain you as a deacon in the house of the Lord. Brother Timothy, come with me. Amen. Father, when you left us here, you commissioned disciples and apostles, and you set them forth. And then, Lord, the following church saw that there were need of those to to help in the assembly. And Lord, you have blessed us with men, and we have great men in this assembly that you have surrounded around the gifts of God with. And Lord, today our brother Derek Paris is here, and uh, he stands before you and before the people of God. And we ask your blessings upon him in a mighty way. As we ordain him for the service of head, Lord, that he will be equipped with wisdom to help your people, O oh God, and to encourage us and support the ministry as we go along life's journey. 
I ask, Lord, your blessings upon him, upon his family, his home, his business, everything, Lord, that it would be an abundant blessings from the almighty God. We ask it in the name of Jesus that you will grant it for your glory as we ordain him as a deacon in the house of the Lord. Amen. God bless you, brother Derek. Amen. We love you. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Amen. We're going to sing this song as you stand together with me again. It's Jesus on the inside. He's working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Aren't you glad for that change that you have, that the Holy Spirit does its work and does its grace in our lives and changes us from the inside out? Well, it's Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. It's Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. glad for that change and if he hasn't changed you I pray before this service is over you'll be changed in his presence turn with me to Genesis chapter 18 and we'll read from verse 1 if you were not tuned in with us in um, in Virginia you have missed a part 167 and um, where I spoke on investigating angels and so if you have not heard that, well, you know, if you want to stay up with what we're doing and what we're ministering, well, it'd be good that you would do that. We were really blessed in, in the services there. It was powerful meetings. Brother Timothy, did you proud? And uh, Brother Donnie Reagan, of course, blessed us in such a way Sunday morning. We were really tremendously blessed by his ministry. And, um, and of course, we all love Brother Ron Spencer and they, gave a, they were wonderful hosts and, and had a wonderful time together. And um, so let's look here to Genesis chapter 18, and we'll read from verse 1. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes, and lo, and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door, and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. May God bless you as you're 
seated. I have been talking about this being the climax of the meetings where that God had appeared unto Abraham. And so today I, I want to just take it a little further here today as we look at this. And the title is going to be a little bit strange, but it also has to do with our trip that we made and the events that I witnessed and saw. And I'm going to speak on taking the high ground for the ascension. Now, of course, the high ground meaning coming to the climax. And this is where that Abraham and Sarah would come to this uh, such a climax meeting. And um, to them would be a revelation of, um, from Jehovah directly to them. Elohim would reveal himself uh, under the oak tree at, Mam- at Mamre. And there in that, in that great meeting would be um, the climatic time just before the change of their bodies in order to receive the promised son. And uh, as we kind of go through this, you know, as, I, as you know, I've just returned from up in uh, Virginia after the meetings. We also went into Pennsylvania and, um, and to Maryland, Pennsylvania, and on up there. And we toured the battlefields of uh, Antietam and, and Gettysburg. And, and of course, um, you really missed out on a treat. We had our own personal tour guide, Brother Aaron Oglesby, that that um, took us through every step of it and just explained to us so beautifully. And, and it was very, very inspiring that we uh, had those moments together. And um, as you know, the battle at Antietam was fought on September 17th in 1862. It was the bloodiest day in American history with a combined total of 22,717 dead and wounded or missing and, um, and although the Union Army suffered heavier casualties than the Confederates, the battle was a major turning point in the Union's favor. And so we were able to go there and look at that. As you know, today is September the 11th. It marks um, now the great tragedy that happened with the Twin Towers and, and uh, the attack upon America. And uh, many are still today mourning that and... Uh, as to that was a, a great event here in American history now. And, um, but you know, of, um, of all of these that were, were dead and wounded in the Civil War, America has never lost that many men in any battles since that time. In July the 1st through the 3rd, 1863, there was the Battle of Gettysburg in history records now the mistakes of the battles and there's always the what ifs and the how comes. And, you know, let me tell you now, as we stand here today, the threat of civil war is not over. There will be another one. And it will be between the liberal left and the conservative right. You say, well, I know what side I'm on. Well, I can tell you right now it's not going to end well for the conservative right. Even now, Christian people are being castigated. They are being called deplorables. 
They are demonized by the U.S. president as a, sta- as a threat to democracy. They are angry as they insist on their freedoms, freedoms to kill babies by their own children by abortions, freedom for same-sex marriage, freedom to practice sodomy, freedom for porn, freedom to commit crimes and not face any penalties, freedom to flood our nations with immigrants, an absolute spirit of lawlessness, a freedom from religion, anti-God and anti-Christ. And America's heart has turned evil as she speaks as a dragon instead of a lamb. This has happened by prophecy according to Revelation 13. And, and like I said, it's, it's not going to end well for the righteous people. The Bible said in Revelation 12, 17, and the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And we know that they, there will be a great slaughter and, and, and those that will give their lives during that time, they will, they will sleep until the millennium is over and at the white throne judgment there will catch up with the rest of us entering into life with the bride in the holy city and the rest of them um, there um, on, the, on the outside of the city in the, the new heavens and the new earth. But there's another battle that happens before this one that I want to talk about. And it's the battle for the high ground of ascension. The dead in Christ are waiting to be freed and glorified. They're in a holding place. And we must reach the height of promise for those who are alive and remain to be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. And here today, every gun of hell has fortified itself upon this hill, taking this position to make sure we do not achieve the high ground where Jesus Christ will be the capping off of his bride. In this battle, we have had Christian men and their armies. We've had, in the past, we've had the Baptists that made its heroic advancement to immersion. And in that position, denied infant baptism. Uh, and, and they were, for this reason, they were called Anabaptists or rebaptizers. And even took on the name, many of them took on the name of Dunkards. You know, it was a slang term referring to them people that, w- that would not receive the Catholic um, baptism of infants, but insisted that uh, it be when a person come to know Jesus Christ and made that conscious decision uh, to accept him as Lord and Savior, it would be then that they would be, only then could he be baptized. And, and so from there were the battle divisions of, of men like the Amish and the Mennonites and the Hutterites out of these Anabaptists, that men who battled for freedom of religion. That's why they came here to America even. Because in the other countries they had been hunted down and, and persecuted and slaughtered. They have many, many heroes among them of men and women who died valiantly for the cause of the truth that they held. And they, but, but they were hunted down and persecuted and, and slaughtered and battled. But only 
to retreat, to just become enslaved to a sect, cut off from the high ground of the ascension and the rapture of the church. And then there came the great awakening. Uh, it was a series, uh, series of Christian revivals that swept Britain and the 13 North American colonies in the 1730s and 40s. Well, that was the first great awakening. And it was led by heroes of faith, famous generals like Jonathan Edwards and John Wesley and George Whitefield who led the troops forward to, to proclaim God in their generation, and they charged that hill. And, and, you know, in many of these cases, these men seem like would almost take it, only to be driven back, only to, to be defeated and, and, and lose the battle. And these men... You know, would be would be men who fought for holiness, a, a sanctified life, and they would climb that hill and try to fight for the position, for the ascension. And they would, in that uh, that first great awakening, they would they would get new recruits and fresh troops from the second great awakening. And generals like Charles Finney and and uh, Dwight Moody and and the ones like that would push up. Ascension Hill, only to be pushed back and retreat to an encampment of enslaved men. And today, the Methodist Church, for example, the sanctified church is anything but sanctified. Holiness is gone. Righteousness has been destroyed. And then there, they are imprisoned and powerless and enslaved and totally conquered. Why? Because they were coming up the ascension heel, and they fell back under the attack of the enemy. This is what Brother Branham said about them and how can I overcome? And he speaks about our age. He said, this is the age of life, the personal life of Christ, where the chemical in his body, what was in him first, under justification, the water baptism, second, under the, the new birth of Wesley, sanctification, which cleanses, and thirdly, under the baptism of the Holy Spirit, putting that sanctified vessel into service. And the word sanctified means, uh, it's a compound Greek word, which means cleaned and set aside for service. And now the Holy Spirit puts it in service. And we'll notice when the unclean spirit is gone from a man, he walks in dry places. I want you to understand, they got a deliverance and they would get a temporary victory, but only to be pushed back into unbelief again. And so he, he said, that's exactly what the church has done. When the unclean spirit is gone from a man, walks in dry places, exactly what the church has done. Baptists and Methodists who believed in sanctification. And then Jesus said, the unclean spirit that went out of him returns to this church body and founds a house garnished, swept clean, living pure, clean lives. All right, but then if that house isn't filled... If it isn't occupied, then he comes with seven other devils, evil demons, worse than he was. And the last stage of this place is seven times worse than it was at the first place. They would have been better to say Luther than it would be to receive the light and fail to follow it. So will it be with the Pentecostals. You know what I mean. The house is garnished. 
I was talking to someone the other day. He said they're careful. They're very careful. Even many of the holiness groups not to call the Holy Ghost Holy Ghost because they, they identify themselves with Pentecostals when they do that. They say Holy Spirit. And to see, to keep from saying Holy Ghost because the Pentecostal common people just call it what the Bible says, Holy Ghost which is the Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost is the same thing, but they're very careful about it. They don't want to be identified with them tongue-speaking people, and that's the Holy Spirit itself. See, what happened then when the enemy that went out under sanctification that was washed out returned back and found the house not filled with the Spirit and, and with the Holy Spirit, now the state of the church is joined in the league of churches with the World Council of Churches. And it's a state that now connects it with several Roman Catholic Catholicism and all the, uh, the rest of it. And now it's seven times worse than it was when it come out of the Lutherans. That's where it takes the man. And then look at the Laodicean church age after it received the Holy Ghost with the knowledge of the Holy Spirit, uh, the Spirit of God within it. And then the works of God is denied by that and called an evil work. Then what about that? There's what Christ has put out of his own church. See, it never showed him in the church until he come to Laodicea. And then he got to Laodicea and he'd been put out of his church and was trying to get back in. See, justification never put him in. Sanctification just cleaned the place for him. But when the baptism of the Holy Spirit came, it put him in the people. And now they turned him out. And when he began to show himself that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, they turned him out because they have denominated and the Spirit of the Lord don't agree with denomination. You, you understand now, they put him out. We don't want nothing to do with his telepathy. It's uh, the devil or it's fortune teller. They don't understand. Eyes can't see, ears can't hear. And God on, only opens eyes as he wills. He hardens those who he hardens. He wishes to and gives life to those he desires to. That's what the scripture says. Now we see these hours that we're in, the stage, and we see what it is, and the Holy Ghost rebuking the aids that put him out. But in all that, did you notice? To him that overcometh. Amen. Even in that worldly, wicked church age, him that overcometh. We find that God has always had overcomers. He's had overcomers in every age. There are always, every time and every age that has been on the earth, God has always had somebody that he could put his hands on as a witness in the earth. He's never been without a witness, though sometimes just one, but somebody overcome now, just like the saints of old. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad it says that to him that overcometh? He couldn't say that unless there's somebody going to overcome Amen. So he's already prophesied somebody's going to overcome in the most evil age that's ever been. Somebody's going to be successful to get up a ascension hill. And there will be a rapture and a resurrection. We must take the high ground. At Gettysburg, there was what is called the high water mark. It's a hill that the north took refuge on and resisted 
the rebel charge. And this was the closest that the South it came to winning the war. From there, they would win some battles, but like water, they would recede to defeat. They came so close to winning for the first two days of battles, they did win. But the third day, after several times of almost winning, they were defeated at the Battle of Gettysburg. I stood upon that hill. I wept. I did not weep because the, the South lost. Because I too wanted to just cause for all men to be treated equal and for slavery to end. But I wept because I know that we as a bride of Christ are coming so close to winning. And every demon of every kind has gathered on the hill from where we are to ascend from. And we cannot just make the high water mark and recede back and lose the war. But we must take the hill. We must not just make it to the hill and fall back, but we must ascend. Amen. Our families are dependent upon it. The dead in Christ are dependent on it. Heaven awaits and earth must recede. The high ground that we must take is the top of the pyramid. Brother Branham's told us in the message adoption, let me just read this to you. He said, now this may choke you to death. But you know that men that are sons of God are amateur gods? How many ever knew that? How many know Jesus said so? The Bible said, did not your law say that you're gods? And if you call them gods, which Genesis 2 said they were gods because they had full domain over the dominion of the world. And he gave his dominion over all things. He lost his godship. He lost his sonship. He lost his dominion. And Satan took it over. And that's where we've been for the past 6,000 years. But then he said, but brothers, we are waiting. For the manifestations of the sons of God who will come back and take it over again, waiting for the fullness of time when the pyramid gets up to the top, when full sons of God will be manifested, when the power of God will walk out, hallelujah, and take every power that Satan's got away from him. Yes, sir, it belongs to him. Brother Branham used the pyramid as an illustration. And it built a pyramid, and it is today without a capstone. It is a sign, a Bible to fear future generations. In fact, Brother Branham would call it the second Bible. And he said, you know, it's a, a Bible to the future generation that one day the capstone will come. Enoch called it the place of ascension. That's what pyramid is what's to mean, the place of ascension. And the Egyptians built replicas and made it the place of the dead. And this is what has happened. Instead of denominations building on to the ascension, they have become graveyards and places for the dead. It was a pyramid that was have been capped off 
and to be complete. And he used, he showed this to use and, and he would use this type of a pyramid to, to, um, to show three separate things, separate distinct things that was necessary to be kept or completed. We're going to talk about some of those today. First of all, you as the individual, the believer, must be kept off with by the baptism of the Holy Ghost that unites you and God together. Justification and believing on the Lord is only the first stage of the battle for the soul. But you see, sanctification then will cleanse and clear the devil out. But to keep him from regaining the soul, the Holy Spirit must come and forever seal and forever seal the individual with the true baptism of the Holy Ghost, sealing Satan out and sealing you in with God. Amen. Where you're sealed into the day of redemption. It is the indwelling spirit of God. It's more than just a Azusa Street anointing on the spirit, on the human spirit where you get excited and dance or shout or jump or have emotion. But it's the indwelling spirit of God, the literal life of Jesus Christ. It is the token. It is your ticket for the rapture. And without it, you can't go. You'll be left behind, defeated. If you're climbing that hill today, you must reach the top. To fall short of that is defeat. To fall short of that means that you're sanctified, like Brother Brennan spoke of the church there, the Nazarene church, and the different ones that were ashamed to be identified with those tongue-speaking people, shamed of the Holy Ghost. To be identified with that means that you're open for every enemy to conquer you. Things that you once conquered to come back again. To be worse than what you were to begin with. Are you with me? How many have you seen that come to the point of sanctification? Maybe they quit their drinking, their smoking, their pornography or adultery or this or that and only to go right back in the same thing again be defeated and bring an awful shame and defeat to the body of Christ that they belong to, the church, the local body. How many times have we have seen that along the journey? Because man stopped somewhere in their ascension for the Holy Ghost and didn't get capped. They let something keep them back, hold them back. And I want to tell you, to be held back, to stay where you are is defeat. You must advance. If you have not received the indwelling spirit of God and been capped off with the baptism of the Holy Ghost that seals you and God together, you will wind up in defeat. The only way you can be a conqueror is to climb that hill. You begin with your faith. That's a good place to start. You add to your faith, virtue, knowledge, shepherds, patience, and all of that. But let me tell you, God wants to take you all the way where that you achieve the greatest achievement that a human being can have. And that is for God to come down and 
outside. So you are a pyramid that must be capped. The headstone must come. It is great to start with a cornerstone of faith, but you must be sealed to the day of redemption. Number two, the mysteries of the word of God must be finished or capped. It spoke of this in Revelation 10, 7. That in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God would be capped, finished. So you see, it would be be capped by seven thunders. And this would restore the church back to its original condition by restoring the pure gospel that Paul preached. And I just want to say to you, it's something that we must we must hold on to and possess because it has been capped. There's not another revelation coming. The mysteries have been revealed. The rapturing faith, the faith, the revelation for the rapture has already come. It won't come by somebody else. God sent it by his seventh angel to bring a message in this last day to cap off and finish the mystery. Every mystery needed for the Gentile bride has already been revealed. And I just say, don't go beyond it. Don't try to go beyond it. Don't leave it. Don't embellish it. To do that is to retreat from that position. Hold that position. It must be held. Now, the third one, of course, for God will cap off the church. He will cap it off with the literal coming of Jesus Christ. But let's talk about this one for a moment. I'm just going to take just a moment on this one. A little longer than I did on the one before because we preach much about the necessity for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But I want to bring it to you where Brother Branham spoke about this and, and, um, and, and he, he tells us the seventh church age messenger was to restore the faith of the children back to the fathers again. In other words, rebuild the church back to the power of the spirit, not by might nor by my, my men's might or my men's power, but by my spirit. Not by organization, he said, not by denomination, but by the Holy Spirit. God will bring forth the church in the last days. So you see, it's a work of the Holy Spirit that where he caps off the mysteries, the mystery truths in this last day to give you a complete word and an open book where that nothing is closed to you as a believer. That every truth of God's word has been revealed all the way from this, from the end the beginning God to even, this, even so come Lord Jesus in the book of Revelation. Every truth has been revealed. And we need no further truth. We have ascended that hill. We must hold on to it. It is from there God will take a people in a rapture. Amen. Amen. Don't back up from it. Don't back away from it, but stand there on it. 
Now, Brother Branham, in, in October of 62, would have a vision. And in the vision, he would, he would first just write it. Later, he would tell about it. Uh, but uh, Billy Paul would type it out there um, after after uh, Brother Branham had this vision, he asked him to type it out for him, and I'm just going to refer to some of the highlights of it. But he was preaching in a forest cathedral, and he was preaching to a mammoth congregation. And as he was preaching, he noticed he was standing in the sun, or the full light of God's word was shining upon him. The light was now upon his ministry, even as the light shines upon us today. And there he was, he was preaching to those who were sitting in the forest outside of the denominational system. And his subject would have two climaxes. And he was laying a background and it was getting laid and, and it was a mammoth congregation, as I said, the light shining through the trees, and Brother Brandon said it was hitting some, some was still sitting in the shadows, and that meant that some were getting it, and some were not, and people were getting tired of listening, and were physically hungry, so they'd had enough of the spiritual, and they started walking away, and he demonstrates that they were yawning as they started walking away, and and they kind of got bored with the, with the word that was being preached. Let me tell you, don't ever lose your first love. Don't never lose that desire and that passion for truth. Amen. Don't think you've heard it enough. You've listened long enough. I've heard that tape before. I've read that Bible verse before. Don't ever let it become common to you. Amen. Some were leaving, and as they were leaving, he screamed out, don't leave for all these wonderful things that I have explained. You, you don't know where they come from. And he, he grabbed his Bible, and he screamed as he made this climax. They're all found in the Bible. And I'm commissioned to preach only the Bible. But the congregation walked on. Now, he was trying to give them the first climax. And he was trying to tell them, because they always want to know where gifts and visions and the power of God and all of that, where it lay. Yep. And he said, they're in the word. They're in the word of God. They are thus saith the Lord. They're his promise. And you, you can all bear me witness. My commission is stay with the word. Right. I can't go with the denominational system. I, I can't. I can't, uh, I can't feed your appetite on those, for those things. I've got to give you the word. You've got to have somebody hungry for truth. Amen. 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 Can't you understand the word? He was, he was screaming and preaching. What's the matter with you? You must understand it. And I'm just going to say to you, whether you're a young person, whether you're old, you're, you know, the word is not over your head. It's not beyond you. The mysteries of God was given for you. Pursue them. Get interested in them. Know them. Know your Bible. Know the message comes from the Bible. It's not a man's thinking. It's the word of God. And we find its root and its source comes from the word of God. As he said, I was commissioned 
not to preach denominationalism. I was commissioned to preach only the Bible. So there, as the people left, he had reached a, a climax of his divine healing meetings. The people had grown tired and weary. Revival fires were dying down. His first climax was to get away from denominational thinking and come back to the word of God. And, and so, as, as he did, he said, he said himself, now listen, he said, in a world falling apart, said, look, let's get back to the truth of the word. God lives alone. God wants his people to live alone with him. They won't be tied in anything, any sensations, tradition. He wants the children obedient with his word. He can place his word in there. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my word's in you, then ask what you will. That's either the truth or it isn't the truth. And if it's the truth, it will work. And I just want to say that to you. If it's the truth to you, it'll work. Amen. If it's the truth to us, there will be signs. There will be wonders. There will be divine healing. There will be miracles. There will be genuine experiences. And young people will be filled with the power of God and the old alike. Amen. But you see, it all begins with the word. So he goes on to say, now you want to know where the secret lies, the power of visions and things. It's back to the word. It's the word of God. Jesus was the word and he was a manifestation of the word. God was in Christ reconciling the world himself. And he was the word in the beginning was the word. And the word was made flesh and the word wants to be made our flesh. So the same scriptures that spoke of Jesus It wants to come in your flesh. God's looking for believers today. Now, so he thought, you know, they'll be back in the evening time. And he began to plan. He began to plan a second climax. And he said, you know, the shadows are going to fall and they're going to come back. And when they return and the congregation gathers in, I'll put the climax to them. And told them the things that they've seen me do is found in the word of God. Not in a mythical book or some organization, but found in the word. Every bit because I'm commissioned for that. And he said, but for the most of the people, it's been mythical to them or mystical to them, most of them. And, uh, and of course, the first message, when they saw it, they were, everybody rallied for it and, oh, glory to God, if I could see this or that or the other, and then they go away the same way that they came in. How many even came across the platform and were healed by the power of God, stood in the presence of the angel, only to go back and live the same old kind of life? Go right back to the systems and religions of man who denied the word. But he said, the shadows are coming. And in late December, he would see, after that vision, he would see another vision of seven angels coming to him in a vision. And he said, oh, I thought, oh my, it's coming with my message. It's my second climax. They're coming to bring me the message from the Lord. And I screamed out with all my might as loud as I could. Oh, Jesus, what would you have me to do? 
And when I did, it went away from me. And he said, this climax is was yet to come. He's standing there on the eve of the seals being opened. And he says, remember, the second climax is yet to come. There will be a message. Remember my message here, the opening of that capstone where the seven voices and seals is not even written in the word of God. Remember, it took me into that pyramid. As he said, I went into that pyramid of seven angels. And there he showed me things, as you know. Night after night, he would meet with an angel of God who would reveal to him the contents of that seal. Where that today, we know who the white horse riding is, the red, the black, the pale. We know what it represented. We know who the souls under the altar were. We know, we know that at the great tribulation that lays ahead and the seventh seal, which is the breaking of the silence. All of these things that we have been made privy to because you see, he, he was determined to reach that second climax. It wasn't enough to get halfway up the hill. He must reach the climax where that the original faith that was once delivered to the saints could be restored back to the church again to where we could have the gospel that Paul preached untainted and uncolored by denominationalism who had colored it in so many ways until God was no longer one but three, who had taken away the true baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and replaced it with with titles, who had taken uh, the original sin and make it an apple or some kind of fruit on the tree rather than than the, the seed of the serpent and what happened there in the garden. Are you with me? Amen. You see, that had to be opened to us so that we can come back to the original faith. And this general, this prophet of God, he drove hard to get up that hill to restore us back to the original faith again. Whether we have what Paul preached. So he would say as he's looking toward toward that, I believe she's ready to strike that final climax to bring forth the faith that will rapture the church into glory. And she's laying in the messages. We're really at the end time. We've talked about it and and everything, but the thing has moved up on us now and here it is. Now, and indeed, he had been laying those sermons in. He He had been... moving toward this climax, building up to it. Before then, as you know, he would preach on the seven church ages, the revelation of Jesus Christ. He would preach wisdom versus faith and, and, and um, spoken word is original seed. And the, seven, the 70 weeks of Daniel, which would place Israel's in their promises and, and separate what belongs to us from what belongs to the Jews. And he said, I believe she's ready to strike the final climax. So we are here. I want to say on this part, we are here. If you have received the Holy Ghost on that part, phase one, for you as an individual, amen, you are there. You have arrived. You have a ticket for the rapture. There's no going back and there's no defeat. You have won. You have won. Hallelujah, the 
war ist vorbei. Die Seele ist verletzt. Die Konquest ist getan. Die Dämonen sind getrieben. Und du hast ascended. Und du wirst ascend. Du hast ein Ticket in deiner Hand. Du hast ein Recht zu einer Rapture. Halleluja. Aber er sagte, I believe she's ready to strike that final climax. And I want to say this, this message is the final climax. There's nothing beyond it. The next message is for the Jews. And so it's the final climax for the rapture. To get that predestinated seed so it will complete the body because we cannot leave, and cannot go and leave one behind. Amen. There's some of you that God is waiting on you. Amen. God is waiting on you to get that revelation that the mysteries have been revealed, that you know your position in the Word, that you know who you are, that you cannot be deceived because He has put the Word on the inside of you and you can't deceive the Word. Every name that's in the Lamb's book of life will come. He'll dip it in his blood. He'll do whatever he has to do. But believe me, he's going to get his bride. And the prophet bringing those seven seals brought the final climax of his ministry. And that has brought about a faith for the rapture. We have now the doctrines of the prophets and the apostles. We now have the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, the Baptists had part of the gospel when they preached immersion. Amen. The, 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 the different ones, the Pentecostals, the, the Methodists, for example, they had the gospel in, the, in that they preached sanctification. But I never until this age, since the beginning, where the church fell. Are you with me? where they fell from that lofty position of ascension hill and defeat began to happen and enslavement began to happen with the Catholic church rising up and, and in her were found the souls of men. She enslaved them. And every system of religion does the same thing. It enslaves men and women. But the gospel of Jesus Christ was to bring freedom. Hallelujah. Amen. It was to bring freedom in a life. Freedom from sin. Freedom from unbelief. Freedom there to have everything that God promised. Brother Branham knew that the last mystery to be added to the church would be the seven thunders. Or that second climax, he said, that I talked about the other day in reference to those thunders that were going to be revealed, is it something coming forth from the, for the church? Now, you may wonder, what are those thunders? They're the mysteries contained in the seven seals. Amen. Well, at one time, they were sealed up. We didn't know what it meant. White horse, and we don't know who, what it is or who it is. Some say it's Christ. Some say it's this. Some say it'll happen all over in the tribulation. Some says it's already happened. Some says this. You know, everybody's got their idea. It's like I've explained many times. Use that illustration in the days of Daniel. Something is written. Many, many tickle you farson, but nobody knows what it is. A hand has written it. 
something that's been written by God and nobody knows. And the astrologers and the wise men all come and they guess. And we got books of them, Matthew, Henry, and Seuss's Apocalypse. And, and uh, you know, we got uh, uh, Jameson's Fawcett and Brown. And we got all kinds of theologians from every denomination who have come up and looked at it many, many tackled you farson and, and they don't know what it means. Everybody's guessing. I think it means that. I think it means that. And when they'll, be, they'll, put, they'll do a denomination on this one or that one. This is our camp. And this is what we believe. But nobody knows until Daniel the prophet is called. And when Daniel the prophet is called, he looks up there and he said, I tell you what it means. You are weighed in the balance and you're found wanting. That's exactly the way it is with this generation. It's a generation where they are weighed in the balance and they are found wanting. Are you with me? Amen. but, But again, nobody knew until a prophet came. We had things in the book of Revelation. We didn't understand. Men guessed that. Theologians said this, that, but it was everybody's guess until a prophet came. And when the seventh angel sounded his message, the mystery of God was capped off. He would be shown this in Junior Jackson's dream of coming up the mountain there. And he said, as I was doing it, I was revealing some mysterious writing on the side. I was telling, telling, showing the mysterious writing along the side, but I got up to the top. And when I got up to the top, it was capped. And he said, a tool was given to me from heaven. And I took it and I opened it. And white light, or he said it was white rock, white stone, a revelation, a pure revelation that light had never shown them before. It had never been given. Nobody had known until the last days. And it wasn't something outside the Bible. It was revealing what was in the Bible. You see, because it's the word of God. It can't be a revelation outside of the Bible or we're cursed. Amen. It's got to bring you back to what Paul taught, or we're cursed. Are you with me? But this second climax that, that he said, he come, and, and it was, you see. Now listen to this, the message paradox. I want to just kind of read this for now instead of paraphrase it. Whenever a church ever organizes, a message ever organized, it goes on the shelf and it never rises again. You see, they're defeated. Now, the historians here, I know one of you see, and then that's right, it never rises again when it organizes. Catholicism was the first organization called in the Bible a whore, and she was the mother of harlots. The same thing, organizations. You see where it's all winding up again up here in the ecumenical council. Now, I'm put out because of that amongst the organization that brothers don't realize what they're doing is not me. I'm not put out. They're putting the word out. The Bible said in this Laodicean age that Christ was on the outside of the church knocking, trying to get back in. There never was an age like that on the outside. Because there's going to be no more church ages. This is the end of it. 
The Laodicean age or the Laodicea was the last age and Pentecost is that last age and we know there'll never be no more above Pentecost. Now, he's obviously not talking about Azusa Street. That's it. And like another man, like a man, no other, another, no creature ever come, could come up from its evolution coming into a higher species than man because man is in the image of God who created him. There will be nothing higher this is the word, wouldn't let it go any farther because he is the word. And neither can the word climb above any Laodicean church age. And we see them, everyone there, Jesus on the outside of the church trying to get back in. And that's what they'd done to him when he was here first. He was the word. And the word, when he was the word, they say, we got the word. And the Pharisees said, we got the word. But the real true word, they was rejecting it. That's the reason Jesus said, search the scriptures. They testified me. So again, as he explained, it cannot go past the word. The word can't climb any higher than the seventh church age message. You say, well, Brother Tim, we're in the bride age. That's exactly right. We are in the bride age. But you see, that's not one of the seven ages. That just means that it's the time of the elect lady. But the word cannot climb above the Laodicean church age because it's the word. God would not permit it to go beyond him. I want you to know the message that we got and received is Christ himself, not another. And it cannot go beyond him. It must ascend. Don't fall back from it. Remember these others fell back and they're captive. They're carried captive away by ecumenical councils, world council of churches and all kinds of things and the sodomite spirit. Are you with me? Perversion. That's what I mean, sodomite spirit. Perversion. And they've been carried away. You see, they aimed at the high calling and, and lost their grip. And I tell you, it's not just enough to get up here on the top of the hill and look around and say, we've arrived. We've got to hold that position. Amen. Amen. There is the onslaught of the enemy that will do everything he can to get you to doubt the word of God. Because he knows that if you doubt the word of God, then it will not work in your life. It's only when you believe it that it will work in your life. That's how healing works, miracles work, signs work, the spoken word works. It all works when somebody believes what God said who will not compromise on it. Now we come to the church, the three pyramids, three examples that he used it for. He used it for the individual kept off with the Holy Spirit, uniting you and God, that's the capstone. It's the ultimate. You say, Brother Tim, what about adoption? It is the adoption. And it's not separate from the true new birth. That's what it is. You see, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So, well, Brother Tim, when is the bride going to have the power? Right now. We're not waiting on the power. 
Oh, if the squeeze would come, we'll have the power. Let me tell you, I don't know how much you want to be squeezed or how much squeeze you want. Amen. There's plenty enough pressure in this age. But you know, all of the pressure of the dark ages and the horrible persecution never produced a rapture in faith or adopted people. So that's not what's going to do it. It's the word of God that we have been brought to that has adopted a people and placed you and put the adoption robe of the Holy Ghost upon you. And we're not a bunch of cowards that got to go hide down behind something and and say, oh, well, you know, one day when the power comes, we'll defeat this enemy. But right now we better run scared. No, sir, we don't have to do that. We are equipped. We are dressed. We are commissioned. We are sent. We are are the soldiers that are hold that position. Hold that heel. Don't let go of it. I'm speaking to adopted sons and daughters today that are, oh yeah, I know there's a fullness of adoption that we talk about the change of our body. This ain't it yet. But I tell you right now, we are adopted sons filled with the Holy Ghost. The adoption robe upon us. Amen. His ring put on our finger. The authority to use his word. We're not waiting on something. It's already here. God's waiting on you to possess your promise. The third stage or the third example that he would use the pyramid for. Now, he would say, not a pyramid doctrine. No, no, no. Even think about what they write about the pyramid. He said, I'm just using this for an example. And as an example, it starts wide at the base and it goes and narrows and narrows and narrows and then it gets capped off. And the top, the top stones has got to match the capstone. You see, it couldn't be back here. It has to be up here. It has to match the last stones. The last stones. The last ones. Oh, brother, I I hope you are realizing what I'm talking about. There's not another generation. There's not another church age to follow this. We're at the end every way you want to figure it. Amen. We're the last stones going in the building. And we must match the capstone. When you're back down here at the base, you're not expected at the base in the building of it to match the capstone. You get up a little closer, it doesn't match. A little closer, it's closer, but it doesn't match. You can't put it, it's only when it reaches that last few stones. And that's when the capstone comes to unite. And the church who is the bride of Christ must be completed. Now, wait a minute. I know you, you say, well, I'm complete when I got the Holy Ghost. Yes, that's a completion. That's a summit. Well, I'm complete when I receive the word, the message. You know, he's our head, and he's the head that's come to the body. It's the word, Brother Tim, it's the word. And all that's true. But that's another example, another type. 
But look at this. The church who is the bride of Christ must be completed by the capping her with the physical return of Jesus Christ and uniting with the, the living with the dead in Christ. So it's not enough. That's not all that's expected of you in this age. Just get the Holy Ghost. It's not all that's expected of you in this age just to get the knowledge of the mysteries. See, it all capped off with the, with the seven thunders and every mystery truth revealed that is needed. And all of that is wonderful and has its place and must happen. But I'm telling you that this is the most important thing of all, that the churches of Bride of Christ must be completed with the physical return of Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church. And it must happen in this age because there's not another age to follow. That means it's all dependent on you. It's all dependent on me to climb that hill and possess that and be shaped by him in order to be those last stones that matches him, a church that matches him. In the interval, Brother Branham talked about this he said, and I just want to want to point out some things that he was referring to. He said, I'm writing a commentary on divine healing. It'll be on the front pages of the commentary. And now it's been all put down and we know it's the truth. The next thing, the next thing, God will step in with higher miracles and greater things on greater planes. As Jesus, when he was here on earth, the first coming of the Lord Jesus, it showed the John the Baptist's miraculous birth, then the miraculous of Jesus, and then it come in the healing of the sick and the discernment of the spirits, and then on to the raising of the dead, and from that on down to the earth and the heavens and everything declaring him, and the earth giving up his dead, miraculous, 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 all along, all the way along, just keep deeper and deeper and deeper to climax, and so will it be now. So he's looking back at Jesus as he was the capping off of the Old Testament. Amen. And he said when he came as that, that there, the capping off it all, he said it came with healing the sick and discernment of spirits and raising the dead and the heavens declaring him and the sun and moon wouldn't shine. You remember the, the earthquake and everything else? It gave up its dead. The miraculous, the miraculous, the miraculous until the dead of the Old Testament actually rose from their graves and appeared unto many. Is that the Bible? Amen. This was a great climax of the the church that Jesus brought. Let me tell you, the New Testament church will be no less of a church. She's a greater church than the Old Testament. Hallelujah. That was in the Old Covenant. What about the New? Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. We have had the John the Baptist that has stood and he's introduced the coming word, which is Christ. Amen. Amen. He said, as the first forerunner said, behold the Lamb of God, so will this forerunner point to a word-born pride. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He was pointing to your coming. Hallelujah, that the God would be here in bride form. God taking on human flesh. God moving in a bride body, doing the same works that he did with the same power, the same anointing. Hallelujah, until it climaxes. Amen. Healing doesn't just go away. It keeps on going and going and going. The miraculous continues, continues, continues until the dead in Christ actually come right into this dimension. And when you see them, you are changed to be like them. Amen. You have not seen the depths of the miraculous. Amen, we have not reached this climax, but we must, somebody must. We cannot fall back like the Baptists, the Methodists, the Pentecostals. We must take a sense and heal. All the expectation of the ages, all the people of the ages, all the dead in Christ, it all hinges on you winning this battle. The final battle is shown in Revelation 12. It's also shown in Daniel 12 where Michael, the archangel, stands up. And everyone whose names are found in the book will be delivered. Amen. You know, only history now can look back and see the winners and the losers of that civil war. Amen. Only history can go and look back and see their mistakes and their bumbles and and the foolish things their generals did and why they lost and why all this. That's all that history can do. But let me tell you, friends, we got more than just history. Although we can go with the types in the Bible and shadows in the Bible and men down through the ages and we can look back and we can draw strength from that. But there is prophecy laying in the word of God that predicts the outcome. Oh, hallelujah. More than predicts, prophesies of the outcome of this battle. And I want you to know the prophecy said you're going to overcome. The prophecy said you're going to win. The prophecy said you'll defeat the devil. Amen. The prophecy said you're going to cast him down. And men and women today, the word of the Lord can never fail. If God said it, God's going to do it. If he said I'll have a pride without spot or wrinkle or blemish or any such thing, God's going to do it. And I just say it might as well be me. Might as well be me. Here I am, Lord, let it be me. final battle is shown in Revelation 12 where Michael the archangel fights 
for the liberation of God's people and brings about the rapture of the bride. I could take a moment, just take Revelation 12 and go down through it verse by verse. We could just see it so plain in the scripture. What belongs to Israel, what belongs to us, the first coming of Christ, the last coming of Christ. It's all lays there. Brother Branham tells us over and again in the fourth seal, third seal, fourth seal, he tells us again the rapture takes place in Revelation 12. When Satan is cast out, the bride goes up. Hallelujah. You know what it is? It's where angelic battles became human battles. And the Bible said, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. That's not angels we're talking about. Blood was never shed for an angel. It's only sons of God. They overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. They were faithful in everything. Come on, church. They weren't cowards. They didn't have their, their, their back to the enemy when they were shot down or killed or whatever. They were facing forward. They were going forward. I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit is calling out today for our people that go forward. Don't fall back. Don't retreat. You're equipped. You are sent. And you've got more than muskets and carbines or, or cannons. But you've got atomic bombs of the word of God. Ammunition that has been given to you to defeat this enemy at this day. Let's just go back over to Revelation 12. I wasn't planning on this, but let's do it for a minute. I'm just going to look. I'm just going to take a moment on this. Revelation 12. If you go down to verse Revelation 12, and 1 through 6, you go right down there, and of course, this is where the man child is born. There's a woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet. On her head were crowns of 12 stars. This was Israel. And she being with child, she cried, travailing to be in birth and pain to be delivered. And she was expecting the Messiah. And then I saw another, appeared another wonder in heaven. And beheld a great and red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his head. And his tail drew, drew a third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Brother Branham explains that over and again. That was wrong standing right there. Amen. Rome was there, or not Rome, but the devil was there in the days of Moses. Going to kill the newborn children. Amen. Going to destroy them all. Are you with me? He was right there to do it in there in Moses. But, you know, God's got bigger plans. Amen. The devil is, is he's not omnipresent. And he's not omniscient. He doesn't know all things. But God is both. 
Amen. And God is also omnipotent. So you see, he is all of it. So you see, he designed something. He made it available for for, for them in that day, for a salvation, for a way of escape. Don't you know, if God did it in the days of Moses, God's going to do it in our day. He's never left a church without a witness. Somebody's going to believe. Moses, Moses there was put into the waters of the crocodiles and everything else and you know because they were killing the babies remember that's exactly the spirit that was released in the days of Jesus Herod said kill them all from two years and down it went through there and there was slaughter of the young children trying to get the Messiah what do you think is educated scientific evil age that is doing everything it can in our schools. Why do you think they, why do you think they went and took the, the, the positions in the colleges and the schools to, to contaminate, to kill the minds of young people, to take them away from righteousness and holiness, teaching them now in, in kindergarten to think it, uh, that a boy can be a girl and a girl can be a boy. Perversion on every level. What is it? It's Satan after the children. Amen. Satan doing everything he can. Listen, listen. It's not just God's got his his heart set on young people. The devil's got his heart set on young people. He's going to do everything he can to defile your mind, defile your body. He did this to a woman that met Jesus at the well. He did everything. Had, had, had six women or six men there to that woman. Are you with me? Contaminated in every way. Satan had covered up that predestinated seed. But the one in the beginning that said, let there be light, happened to be standing at the well that day and light down through the layers of sin and found that predestinated seed and germinated it to life. That not only happened to the woman at the well, that happened to every believer. The day star, the sun rose upon your life and dispelled the darkness and awakened the seed germ of life. But in the days of Moses, it happened in the days of Jesus. And you can see right here in the scripture, they're standing right there to get it. Get that man child. Soon as it was born. Amen. Let me see the next verse, please. And she brought forth a man child. Who was to bring forth the millennium? He reigned with a rod of iron. And, and but, but because of his rejection, millennium's been put off now but we must get it. Somebody here with me? Amen. And her child was caught up or raptured up to God. He ascended to God and his throne. Amen. Now, notice now, if you go from there to verse 7, right there is 2,000 years of, 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 of Gentile where God is not dealing with the Jews, but Gentile church ages. In verse 7, it says, And there was war in heaven. Yes. 
Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought, and his angels. Ah, hope you're picking the right side this morning. Amen. Amen. I hope you're on the right team. This ain't north and south. Amen. This is Michael and his angels against Lucifer and his angels. There's a great battle going on. War in heaven and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought in his angels. Amen. What is it? What are they doing? Trying to keep the earth, the bright earth bound. Trying to keep a rapture from taking place. Amen. Trying to keep us from being overcomers. But I got news for him. We have got a revelation that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. Hallelujah. The gates of hell cannot prevail. It shows they will try, but they cannot prevail. The prophecy, the word is against Satan and his army. The word is on your side. Next verse, please. Amen. Let's just look at it. And what? Somebody say it. Prevail not. He fought and his angels fought, but they prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. Amen. Ephesians 6, 6 shows us as we try to take heavenly places, we are resisted against every kind of demon power that there is, against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Are you with me? But I got news for him. He prevailed not. The depression that you're dealing with will prevail not. Amen. The evil that has beset you will prevail not. The evil age that we are in will prevail not. Hallelujah. I don't care what weapon that he comes against you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. He prevailed not and neither was their place found anymore in heaven. Hallelujah. Not only, not only is the book open for you, but heaven has been open for you. The way for the ascension has been made. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's just worship him a minute. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. He prevailed not. He will not prevail. I'm telling you by the word of the Lord this morning, he will not prevail. Your enemy is a defeated enemy. You may not see him running yet, but he's gonna run. Hallelujah, there's gonna be white flags of victory all over the place with a hurrah going up from the bride of Christ saying, we won, we won, we won. We stayed the course. Verse 9, you can be seated. And the great dragon was repelled, cast out on the run. That old serpent, 
that deceived our mother Eve, that old serpent called the devil, that deceived the first church, amen, that caused defeat down to the ages. Amen. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Mm-mm-mm. Verse, the next verse. And I heard a loud voice in heaven. Now I want you to notice where these are. These are no longer on earth, these are in heaven. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation. I thought salvation happened 2,000 years ago at the cross. It did. That's where God paid for your redemption. Is that right? That was the payment. It was a down payment on a new body. It was a down payment on redemption. Are you with me? But now here comes full salvation. Hey Amen. We, we had our soul saved, but now we need our spirit sanctified and our bodies changed. Amen. Somebody help me preach now. Amen. Amen. Because you've got to have a body that matches your soul. Right now, the soul you've got is at war with your flesh. And so when you would do good, evil is present because your flesh is there all the time. Amen, but oh, I'm gonna tell you right now, now is come salvation. Amen, you just wait till I get my new body. Amen, I can't wait to see you in your new body. Amen, where you said now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down. Which accused him day before our God day and night. This is already happening. Come on, church. This is already happening. This is already taking place. We're in the process of this war. We're about to win it. The prophecy is for us. The word is against the devil. And the accuser of our brethren, look, when the book was open, can I take a minute here? When the book was open in Revelation 5, you see the four and 20 elders. You know who that is? That's the Old Testament saints, 12 of them, and the 12 apostles of the New Testament. So the whole bride is represented by the, when the lamb takes the book. Is that right? Amen. So you got that? You have that. You have that. You have the living creatures before the throne. You got myriads of angels. You got the lamb. Is somebody with me now? But somebody's missing. Look at that. Read your Bibles. There's something obvious missing. In the days of Job, every time the sons of God would appear before God, Satan was present with them. In the days of Zechariah, when, when he, there, there, Satan was there to withstand him. Come on now. But here is a gathering of the sons. And there's no accuser there. Hallelujah. The accuser is missing. Are you with me? The accusing is over with. God won't hear it no more. 
You never did it in the first place. You are the sinless, virtuous bride of Jesus Christ. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Mm -hmm. And they, what? This is the voice in heaven. They overcame him with the blood of the lamb These aren't angels. These are men and women just like me and you. In fact, this is us. I'm reading you where you are in the Bible. I have turned to your place in the scripture. This is something that is your promise laying there and they overcame him. How am I gonna overcome this problem, Brother Tim? By the blood of the lamb. He's done it. He's done it. It's sufficient. It's over with. I'm healed. I'm delivered. I'm saved. I'm a child of God. I am perfect. I am blameless. I am washed. I am clean. I am his. And they love not their lives unto the death. Verse 12. Therefore rejoice you heavens and you that dwell in them, but woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knoweth he has just three and a half years. And there he's going to go after all of those prisoners of war that are in the camps of denominationalism. And he's going to go after them and exterminate them. This is Bible. One more war to come. One more civil war for America. Not just America. The world. It's here. Listen. Listen where we are. As Brother Branham said, the great climax is at hand. The great warfare between the devil and God is going on. And the scene has been set for the final front lines where the clash will come. And God will reign and rule. And the Lamb was with them and overcome them. For he is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. And he'll ride down over every opposition. Hallelujah. Amen. Look at what we are. Perilous times. Bombs in the hangers. Threats on every hand. Russia says that old mama bear said, I'll gather my cubs back. I'll take Poland, Czech Republic, the Serbia. I'll take all of the, all the outlying countries. I'm going to gather them all back. Rome over here is a dragon. And she is gathering hers back. And there's an image to the beast rising up out of the land of America and she's gathering all of hers for the final battle. The host of hell is against us. But when hell turns loose, heaven turns loose also. 
When you see the enemy come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard against him. God's got a standard. Banners waving. Amen. Going forward. Advancing up a sinking hill. We must not fall back. We must not reach a high water mark. I'm not comparing us with the South and, and slavery and all. That ain't my goal. I'm trying to try to say to you, we must not get up this far and fall back. There's not another age. There's not another day. There's not another hour. This is our only, only hope. You must be determined. Get up that hill. If you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, get up that hill. If you haven't received the word of the message of the hour, get up that hill. It's the weapons that you'll need. Don't be a lagger. Don't be holding back. Don't stumble along the road. Get up. If you've fallen, get up again. If you've been wounded and hurt and religion has hurt you and this has hurt you and preachers have hurt you, get up. Don't give up. Don't turn, run, advance. Oh my, the church must reach the high sphere of his calling. We must ascend. We are eagles, and eagles rise higher than any other bird. We are anointed to rise. We are anointed to fly higher. We are astronauts, as Brother Branham would explain in Countdown. We are astronauts. We're not just to be earthbound, but we are to take the heavens. Somebody with me now. Amen. All of these things lays right in there. Science is advanced, but the church is advanced. And we must possess what others fell short of. We're here in this day, in this hour. Oh my, we must break through every barrier. There are barriers that are set set up to halt us. There are fence rows that you gotta climb. Some of those fence fence rows there would have just one just one 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 post would have eight hundred and twenty bullets in there. Every one of them meant to kill. Amen. They were facing a, a ray of lead, and I and I'm not just trying to minimize the battle that you're under. I'm trying to say the devil is there with every tactic, and he's had six thousand years of practice. And seven church ages where he's defeated them time on time again. And he's haughty. He's self-assured. He's got lots of confidence. His morale is high. He's determined. There will not be a bride. I can stop this advance. There will not be a marriage supper. There'll be nobody there. There won't be a welcome home party. After preaching Sunday morning, Brother Donnie Reagan, after we prayed for Brother Ron, we went into the office there. There was a lot of things that happened, but he spoke in tongues and he interpreted. 
as he prayed, and we were praying together there at the end of the service. These were the words. Don't hold back. Keep on advancing. Let the water flow. And he goes right on to say, someday I'll call you for you get on the chariot with me and ride. A chariot ain't just coming for me and Brother Ron. He's coming for you. And he's going to be calling for you. Come on. Come on up here and ride with me. It's time for a triumphant home. The war is about over. I've got plans for you. A marriage supper, the lamb, a honeymoon, a millennium up ahead. I've got it all laying there. Amen. Get beyond the barriers. He said, if you could just break beyond the sound barriers, it's unlimited. Amen. Those men would have to climb the fences, get over the, the stone walls. They, they were, all of these things, all kinds of obstacles, but they were anxious to get that hill. And I tell you, friends, we got every kind of obstacle that's out there today, but we must succeed. The dead in Christ is waiting on us. Amen. The saints ahead, that have went ahead of us, they're waiting on us. Amen. We must ascend. We cannot fall back. We cannot perpetuate the ages. There are no more ages. We are out of ages. There's not another prophet promised. We either succeed or we fall back and the battle is lost for all. After we left Gettysburg, we went to the Sight and Sound Theater there in, in Pennsylvania. And there they were, they, were, they were playing David there. It was a wonderful, wonderful thing. As we come through the town, you could see the Amish coming along with their little horse and buggies, and Mennonites with a little different color. Just seeing them held captive by traditions of men so under a Nicolaitan doctrine, a bishop decides of his district they can have rubber on the tires or not have rubber on the tires. Everything is regulated right down whether you can have electricity in your home, whether you can have a cell phone, whether you can't have one and one bishop says you can, another says you can't. You're just held under Nicolaitan, conquering the laity with rules and regulations. Doomed to horse and buggy. Hampered by dogma of men. So you see, you know, as we pass through all of that and we go to the sight and sound and there we assemble there and we go to watch David there and the life of David and him killing Goliath, his mighty men. He had a battle to win. You see, Israel had never conquered all the land that was promised them. 
They had great generals like Joshua. But you know, remember in the days of the judges, neither did Naphtalim and neither did uh, neither did Zebulun and neither did uh, the, the tribes of Joseph, but neither did uh, Simeon. Neither did they conquer all that was given to them. But the Canaanites dwelt in the land. But in the days of David, David rose up as a great warrior king. And he says, I'm taking all the land. Everything that God promised. So after becoming king, he just wasn't satisfied to sit there with his crown and enjoy the little domain that he had, but he began to expand the borders. He said, we're going to have everything God's word said we could have. So he would send out his mighty men, and he would go with them, and he would fight Israel's battles, and he'd come back with, a, with the crown of the Malachites and the crown of, uh, of the Philistines and the different crowns of, of the nations that he subdued around him and brought subservient to him. And there was men that had gathered around him. They are called David's mighty men. And these men there were men of courage, men who would stand for Zion, men who would risk their lives, men who would go forward. And David there, as he, one day in a great battle he was in, he just got so thirsty. And he remembered it, the well at Bethlehem, but the Philistines was garrisoned there. You see, they had taken David's own homeland and had got around the well, and the devil wasn't going to let him have those blessings. And David just breathed a cry and said, oh, oh, if I just had a drink from that well of Bethlehem. And those mighty men heard the king's request or his desire. And remember, you remember here he was, one that had been a fugitive. To, he had been a fugitive and ran and everything else. And they had come to him. Though he was a fugitive, they was going to stand on the Lord's side because he knew he was coming king. And let me just say, we know we know there might be presidents rise, the queen dies, and the king rises, and all this hoopla that you got going on today. But we know that the king of kings and the Lord of lords is going to reign. We know he's coming into power. And these men knew David was coming into power. They knew the anointing oil had been poured on him, and the word of the Lord was upon him. Are you with me? Amen. And Brother Brandon will look at that. And he said, oh, brothers, I'm in a terrible spot. He said, we are garrisoned today with men saying that days of miracles are past and divine healing is no more and the Holy Ghost isn't for today. He said, who is there a man that would draw his sword and come with me and get down to the well of Bethlehem and draw a fresh drink of Pentecostal water? Amen, not some formal religion nor something to just to jump and a shout, but he said real Holy Ghost power and bring that back and refresh our king. I wonder today in this battle, 
as we hear the message urging us on, climb the hill, take possession, drive the cannoneers of Satan off. The Lutherans went so far as to say, the just shall live by faith. He crushed the squadrons of Rome, but fell back and was conquered, and they became prisoners of war to assist them. The Baptists stood on immersion and away from infant baptism. Many of them heroically gave their lives, but they fell back under the pressure of the satanic army. The Methodists, the Nazarenes, the Pilgrim Holiness made a charge for the heel of ascension, but they only got so far as sanctification and fell back and more worldly, devil-possessed, satanic-inspired in their churches, rainbow flags on the outside, heralding, heralding the perversion of the sodomy of the age. The Pentecostal revival led by God's generals. Brothers, Brother Seymour got so close to, he actually spoke in tongues of that heavenly dimension. Generals like Smith Wigglesworth and John G. Lake and F.F. F. Bosworth made a way for the great healing campaigns that was to follow. The healing revival that was led by a prophet of God the greatest general since the days of Paul drove out cancers, demons of heart disease, demons that hideously crippled God's people, shot at them from every side, but deaf ears were opened, blind eyes could see. And I'm not just talking about one little two little miracles here and there. Right here in Little Rock, Arkansas, I passed by. I passed by the school of the deaf where in the early 1950s, Brother Branham there went to the school of the deaf and 150 deaf men and women were healed by the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Uh, you see, you see uh, there, there, were other, there were other men, we might call them corporals or sergeants or whatever, but they were promoted. Like, like um, and you might know the story of Jack Coe, he went to the meeting, and Brother Branham's as a skeptic. There was a man there with blind, that was blind with no eyeballs. And Brother Branham told him, said, within three days, eyeballs will form, and after that you'll see. Well, Jack, he was an Assembly of God Pentecostal preacher, but he was a doubter, a skeptic. He said, ah, oh, anybody could say that and make that kind of claim. And as Brother Branham left the building, he walked by him patted him on the leg like that and on the knee and, and prayed softly a minute. And he said, you know, you're not sick. You're just worn down from preaching meetings. But don't be skeptical. You were, you were doubting whether this was of God or not. I want to tell you that this is of God. And we're both fighting the same devil. Go on and continue in your revival because you also were called to pray for the sick. Jack Cole made it around for the third day came back to the meeting. He's going to make sure that all of this was true, that he could be thoroughly convinced. Not only that day, early that morning, the blind man passed him, and the man with no eyeballs now had eyeballs in his head. But by that evening, those eyes were seeing. And he was shouting all over the place, 
the glories of God. And Jack Cole said himself that he knew then that William Branham was called for dispensational purposes. And I want to just say to this congregation today, we must not allow Satan to reclaim the grounds that have been won. We cannot retreat from divine healing. We cannot retreat from gifts of the Spirit. Amen. We cannot be afford to be led away by false apostles. Some have been routed and have retreated all the way back to Baptist easy believism. And now they fall to where and now fall where they fell into making the baptism of the Holy Ghost a mere, I believe, the message. Some have dropped the weapons of our warfare and tongues is gone and prophecy is gone and why somebody, some don't even want to preach any preaching anymore. Don't even preach this play and take and they have been captured by the devil. Some have turned churches into morgues denying the power of God. The shout of victory is gone. But there's some mighty men on the earth. You have been called for this final battle. You have been handpicked and selected. God predestinated you to this age. You could have come up at another age before us. You could have been born 200 years ago, 300, 500, 700, 1,000 in the dark ages. But God called you and elected you for this age and this time. He called you not to be defeated. He called you to be a devil defeater, a serpent bruiser, a people who in this day were to be fulfilled that they will bruise the head of the serpent. Thy seed shall bruise the head of that serpent. And I wonder today, are there men and women right here in this place that can identify yourself as David's mighty men? You may not feel real mighty, but you're there. You're part of the troops. Amen. And you are hearing that your king wants a fresh drink of water. He wants an old-fashioned Pentecostal revival like they had in the days of the book of Acts. He wants the Holy Ghost poured out upon his children. He wants the power of God back in the church again. Is there a man, is there a woman that says, Mama, that's me. I'm going to stand today. I'm pressing on. I'm claiming higher ground today. I'm taking the high ground for the ascension. I refuse to be a slave any longer. Amen. Let the musicians come. Oh, God. Oh, God, as we bow our heads today, as we just dedicate ourselves for a cause, as it moves teardrops within my own heart, as I wept thinking about the men who tried in vain, Lord, they tried for their country, for their cause, for their belief. Lord, we know that it was wrong. Slavery was wrong. The evil, the evil, that was evil. So is slavery of men's souls. It's evil. We must defend this at every cost. We must stand for Zion. We must stand for truth. I pray, oh God that today we'll march to the tune of onward Christian soldiers, not retreat and backwards, not fall back, but go forward. 
I pray, Lord, Lord, help us in this battle. Lord, help us in this battle, Lord. There can be even our generals that get shot by their own men. Lord, we take shots from different places, sometimes around the world, well-meaning people. But Lord, oh God, not understanding, we must take this hill. I pray that we'll press ever onward. Let this admonition just fall deep in the hearts of your children today as we ask it in Jesus' name.